0: the beast, nor his statue, listen to this, nor accepted his mark in their forehead or their hands. (laughs) I don't know how many of these conspiracy theories are just conspiracy theories, how many of them are true, how many am are boarding on truth, how many of them are kind of the foyer, entering into the truth, I I don't know, but I'm going to tell you something I do not believe I'm going to take any kind of a tattoo, mark, visible or invisible, visible on infrared or any other kind on my forehead or on my hand. I do not believe I want to do that because this specifically talks about that. They all came to life again, these that were beheaded, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not live, uh, did not come back to life, rather, until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection? For them, the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and will reign with Him a thousand years. And then, this is crazy, folks. Then, after the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He's been in in, in the bottomless pit for one thousand years, suffering the torments of all that. And he will go out and what? Deceive the nations. And and people are going to fall again. Led specifically by Gog and Magog, a reference to Russia and the allies in every corner of the earth. And he will gather them together for a battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand upon the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people, the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven. And from the attacking armies and consumed them, then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, where they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Long passage, lots of stuff in there. Talks specifically about. A thousand years reign. Three perspectives as to the timing of the kingdom. There's the post millennial viewpoint. Post means after. So there are those who believe that this will come, this millennial kingdom will come after Christ um, returns, or, or rather that it occurs after the millennium, that Christ will come back after the millennium. Uh, the thought is then the world will become so saturated with the gospel and so many missionaries will be sent out with the message of the word of God that the kingdom will be ushered in. It'll just happen one day, and this doctrine was growing in influence and acceptance until World War I shattered that belief system because things weren't getting better and better and better. World War I happened in no time at all. World War II happened in even less time than that. uh, Korean War happened, then Vietnam happened, and there's been war almost continually. That's the post-millennial return of Christ. Amillennialism, ah means no or none. Uh, There's no real millennial reign. It's all symbolic. It doesn't really mean. A lot of people believe the book of Revelation is just all symbolism. And it's very hard to understand. It is difficult to understand. But it's not all symbolism. There is some literal teaching in the word of God and lots of it. So the people who believe in amillennialism, get this, believe that we're living in the millennium right now. That this is happening right now. Revelation 20 is happening right now. The peace and prosperity is spiritual, not physical, and and we are reigning as God's people in the church right now. Reigning from lockdown, I guess, huh? Uh, That's not much of a reign, I I don't think. Then there's premillennialism, which means before, uh, so that Christ will return before the millennial reign. That's my position. That's what I believe about it. I believe Christ is going to come back. Nothing is preventing him from coming back today. This would be a great day, wouldn't it? May the 24th, 2020, come. even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It would be great if he would come, but he'll come before the millennial reign. In fact, after he does come and take us out of this earth, there's going to be that seven-year tribulation period we talked about a few weeks ago, and then all the promises in Israel will be fulfilled, and the Jews will return to their homeland, and and then we'll come back with him uh, to the earth. So there are four purposes for the millennial kingdom. And I've probably got thirty-five scriptures to go with these these four purposes. I'm not going to read them all. Uh, if you want the there, I think the outline is is uh, available. It, it was sent out this week, and Julie, we'd be glad to send that to you again. But to reward the people of God, many rewards are given to God's people during this millennial kingdom. <clears throat> uh, uh, the kingdom will be prepared for those who are blessed of the Father as an inheritance. Uh, that's that's something. I, I don't know if you have any inheritance, uh, Pat and I did not have a huge inheritance uh, and never have had, but we've got one coming. We've got an inheritance coming, and it's in the millennial age. This is different from the crowns. It's a whole different thing. In Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that you that have followed me and uh, in the regeneration where the Son of Man will sit in the throne of glory, will sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And when he returns, he'll bring the saints who have believed on him, with him, he'll bring them back to earth. Um, uh, in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse fourteen. So the purpose is to reward. The purpose is to respond to the prophet's predictions uh, about the fact that all kings everywhere will bow before the Lord one day. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow to the glory of God. Jesus, in fact, will reign. From the throne of David, it will be a literal thousand-year kingdom. The Messiah's government will be established upon David's throne in fulfillment of all that the prophets have said through the years. Thirdly, he comes to receive the answer to the disciples' prayers. How many of you have at some point in time prayed what's called the Lord's Prayer? How many of you have done that? I, I don't know how many... Thousands of times, probably, we have prayed that. And that's going to be an answer to those prayers one day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're praying for the kingdom of God to descend upon this earth. And things are going to change. And then last of all, to reemphasize man's depravity and the necess- necessity rather, of Christ's death and burial and resurrection. After a thousand, hey, how many times do you think, if we just had... If we have a godly president, if we have a godly senate, if we have a godly house of representatives, if we have a godly governor, everything would be perfect. Let me tell you something. For 1,000 years, we will have absolute perfection in ruling and reigning and all legislation. And at the end of that, people will follow Satan and rebel against God's rule. You know why? Because we are depraved. We are desperately evil. Who can know it? The Bible talks about the heart and and, and who who follows after God. We wander around as sheep lost and and, and scattered about. We don't don't follow our shepherd. Uh, Sin is our problem. Not our environment, not our poverty, not our training, not our education, not our genetics. It is a sin problem, and sin is planted in the heart of every man, every woman, every young person. A little baby will cry, not necessarily because there's anything wrong, but because they want attention. Husbands are known to do the same thing. (laughs) Pat wrote that in, I think. That wasn't part of the original message. So so what follows this is is the great white throne judgment. After this this last falling away, then the great white throne judgment comes, and people will be raised who were not believers, and they will be cast then into the lake of fire. Now let me give you. I'm going to emphasize this last point here: the five profiles of the kingdom. <clears throat> the the it's a time first of all of peace. Hey, the League of Nations wasn't able to do it. The United Nations has not been able to do it. But one day, God is going to do it. I'm going to bring priests to this war torn earth. Isaiah eleven six: The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child will play in the hole of the asp, and the weaned child will put his hand on the cockatrice's den, and they will not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea in this millennial kingdom not only will human beings uh, be affected greatly and our actions affected greatly and, and and we began to become more of like what we will be in the heaven for all of eternity but also nature itself returns to a, to a a, a a not a dangerous place but a beautiful place uh, the garden of eden and the environs around that before the fall were incredible. Vegetation grew. Animal life was present. There wasn't death. There wasn't thorns. You'd have to labor by the sweat of your brow. And it's going to be returned to that one of these days in this kingdom age. So it's going to be a time of peace. No war. It'll be a time of great prosperity for everyone. Not just for a few, but for everyone. I will cause my people in their homes around my holy hill to be a blessing. I will send showers of blessings which, I come, which will come just when are needed. The orchards and the fields of my people will yield bumper crops, and everyone shall live in safety. When I've bro- broken their chains of slavery and rescued them from those who enslaved them, they will know that I am the Lord. Even the, even the vegetation is going to respond in a prosperous way. The wilderness will rejoice in those days, and the desert will blossom with flowers. You know how the deserts are in the spring around here? You know, the blooms that come up, beautiful, beautiful wildflowers. It's going to be like that all the time, one of these days. It's going to be a time of purity. Sin will be kept in check. The Holy Spirit will keep people from uh, being, having a, such a propensity uh, for sin. Diso- disobedience will be dealt with promptly and severely. Listen to Isaiah eleven nine. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And as the waters fill the sea, so the Lord will be filled with people who know the Lord. And on that day, says the Lord in Zechariah, I will get rid of every trace of idol worship throughout the land so that even the names of the idols will be forgotten I will remove from the land all false prophets and the unclean spirits that inspire them. It's a time of purity. People will uh, will want to serve God, will want to be pure in those times. Number four, it's a time of prolonged life. Listen to this. People sometimes say, well, preacher, you know, when you're reading the book of Genesis and it says someone lived to be 500 years old, 600 years old, 800 years, 900 and some years of age, what do you think, was that just kind of, uh, you know, were, were there different Time periods measuring years? No. Before, before the flood, people lived long lives. Before the flood, they would live five, six, seven, eight hundred, even nine hundred and some years. And, and, and in the millennial kingdom, it's going to happen again. Isaiah 65 20. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they've lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Hey, Chuck Seeler, if you're watching, you're just a, you're just a newborn, <laughs> and I'm right behind you, newer born than you. So, uh, so you know, I mean, I mean, no one's old at 100. Only, listen to this. Only sinners will die that young. So even though the Holy Spirit is, is trying to keep people from sinning, and even though there's this purity that will prevail... There will be people who will rebel during the millennium and their lives will be cut short. They'll be taken out of this life. Last of all, it's a time of personal joy. Joy will replace the misery quotient in this world. Think about it. This world is, is filled with heartache and heartbreak and disappointment and discouragement and depression. This world is filled with all kinds of difficulties and problems and, and again memorial day so many people so many people are still even though the loved one died maybe maybe 50 years ago they're gripped by it the the heartache the heartbreak that comes in this world it's a it's a time of great misery but in the millennium, it's going to be a time of great joy. Isaiah 14, 7 says, But at last the land is at rest and is quiet. Finally, it can sing again. Hey, Sarah, the world can sing again. It won't just be people. Somehow, the land is going to sing again. Philippians two ten. So that at the nature of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's going to be a time of incredible joy. I mean, it's going to be a one. You know, the millennial kingdom, if, if there were no eternity beyond that, the millennial kingdom would be heaven. And, and that's what a lot of this message kept pointing to. It's like a, it's like a precursor to heaven, if I can use that word, a uh, precursor, uh, of heaven. It's like an indication of heaven. Heaven's even going to be better. Did you know that in the garden of the UN headquarters in New York, there's a sculpture entitled, Let Us Beat Swords into Plowshares? How many knew that? Anybody here know that? Did you know? Well, if you didn't know that, you won't know this. It was donated by the Soviet Union in 1959. Our, the, our arch enemy in the Cold War endeavors of the 50s and 60s and beyond. The inspiration for that quotation came, any Bible student will know, from Isaiah 2 and Micah chapter 4. Where the UN has failed, Jesus will succeed when he establishes his millennial kingdom. Don't be fooled by the antichrist. Don't, be, don't put any hope in, in what the world has to offer, but only hope in and trust in what God has to offer. So I conclude the message, and I think, why isn't there more about specifically heaven why isn't there more that distinguishes somehow heaven from this thousand years reign? That's what I battled with when I kept going back to this message and reworking it and retyping it. In fact, you'll see part of the message is upside down because I, I typed it out and went back and redid it and went back and redid it a third time, uh, and I didn't want to waste the paper. So uh, I've got, I have got I can read it backwards or forwards, I guess, here, uh, but... Why isn't there more? And I found a quote from a gentleman named Dwight Pentecost, who wrote a book on prophecy called Things to Come, which was a standard textbook that I had. And Dan will probably be a textbook you'll have um, on prophecy. And here's this quote There is a danger that the redeemed one will become so occupied with the anticipation of his own experience in glory that the supreme glorification. Of the Godhead would be lost. Our occupation in the eternal state will not be with our position or our glory, but with God Himself. Isn't that good? Maybe we don't know more about heaven specifically because we would be all enamored with that instead of enamored with the one who made it all possible, with the one who gave His own Son on the cross. Paul said it this way when he was caught up to paradise he said i heard unspeakable words which are not lawful and that means not possible for a man to utter i saw things i couldn't begin to describe in this third heaven so my question to you is not knowing what it's going to be like for sure but knowing what the Millennial kingdom is going to be like, and it's sounding pretty good, will you be with him on heaven, or on earth, or, and will you be with him in heaven? Or will you not? It's going to be a life of fellowship, we know that. It's going to be a life of rest, we know that. It's going to be a life of full knowledge, we know that. It's going to be a life of holiness, absolutely. It's going to be a life of joy, and a life of service, and a life of abundance, and a life of glory, and a life of worship. We preached on that, I think, last week or the week before, worship in heaven whatever heaven is going to be, listen to this, and I'll close. I keep closing. This is the second or third time I've closed. Whatever heaven is, it is diametric to hell. It is the exact opposite of the lake of fire, where everyone who rejects Christ will spend eternity. And, and you don't really spend eternity, because it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on and on. So do you know Christ? Do you want to rule and reign with him? You say, well, I don't care anything about ruling. You know what? God cares about it. He said that's what's going to happen. So whatever God says is okay with me, and I hope it's okay with you. Do you know for sure you're going to be in heaven? Do you know for sure you're going to be in the millennial kingdom with the Lord? If you don't know that, you can know that today by faith, by grace through faith, receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And here's how you can do it. You can pray to God right now, a simple prayer, something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm going to die someday and stand before you. I believe that Jesus is your son and died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. So this morning, Lord, I pray and ask you to be my savior and my God, and my King of all kings, and Lord of all lords. I trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, the Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. May God richly bless you, Lord willing. Next week, we'll be preaching on will we know each other in heaven? And again, if you have some questions that you would like to have me try to answer, send them to jimbays at AOL.com. We're going to close out with a closing song, then we're going to baptize for the glory of God. seated in the auditorium. I'm going to ask Justice Griffith to come follow her Lord in believers' baptism. We believe that baptism is an important step in our obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Once we put our faith and trust in Him, then we need to follow Him in believers' baptism. It's a picture.